sometimes you bend, sometimes you stand, sometimes you turn your back to the wind. There's a world outside really dark and cold, where blues won't haunt you anymore. With a brave eye, free love and soul, come ride with me to the distant shore. We won't hesitate, break down the garden gate, there's not much time to dig. Welcome back into Car Radio. I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News, broadcasting live today from Road Atlanta. It's been an exciting couple weeks. I was up at M1 Concourse last week for that tremendous American Speed Festival. I had a lot of of fun up there uh, broadcasting, talking with Bobby Rahal and and, uh, some of the folks, uh, Jim Hall Jr., up there displaying their fantastic cars. Uh, Shift gears come down here to Atlanta. One of the great racetracks in the country and uh, really exciting to be out here on a beautiful day uh, racing my Lola cars. So much uh, great um, auto racing and uh, auto shows around the country this fall. I'm sure there's one near you. Go check it out. Uh, we've been, uh, I, I want to remind you uh, that car radio is available not just live here on Saturday at our usual noon to two slot, but also uh, you can find us on uh, podcast uh, via Spotify, Google, Amazon, Detroit News. We always post that uh, Monday, first thing next week. So if you missed the, sh- the whole show today, you can still catch it on your favorite podcast forum uh, next week. Uh, we ended up the last hour talking about Ford Maverick, and we got a little more Maverick for you. I'm going to go back out here in Rhode Atlanta and race cars this afternoon. But uh, I sat down this week with Todd Eckert, who is the marketing manager Four Ford trucks. He talked about the Ford Maverick. We're going to bring you that interview here in the first segment. Going to follow that with an interview, a couple best of car radio segments. We talked to Pato Award, who just finished third in the IndyCar uh, uh, IndyCar title chase a couple weeks ago. We talked to him in Detroit. I thought it would be great to go back and uh, listen to what he had to say midseason here in Detroit, and then we'll wind up the hour talking with Patrick Long, who I spent some time with here at Road Atlanta uh, not too long ago in the all-new Porsche 911 GT3. So uh, that will that will uh, wind up the second hour here. We're going to pick off with Todd Eckert, marketing manager for Ford Trucks, about the all-new Ford Maverick. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM Superstation uh, down in Nashville, Tennessee. Beautiful day down here, truck country. And I'm sitting down with Todd Eckert, who is the marketing director for Ford Trucks. Todd, how are you? I'm doing great, Henry. Great to uh, have you on the program. And uh, always good to be in Nashville. A lot going on down here. Uh, also, uh, a lot going on with Ford in Tennessee. We're just coming off the uh, announcement of the big um, uh, electric um, factories being uh, put into production over on the west side of the state. Uh, we're over here in Nashville, out in the country. A lot of trucks out here. Exciting news you guys are bringing in as your entry-level vehicle. I'm an old Ford Focus guy. <laughs> that used to be the entry-level vehicle for Ford. The entry-level vehicle now 
for Ford is a pickup truck. That's the Ford Maverick that we're testing down here. Tell us about the Ford Maverick. Well, it's really exciting news, Henry, as you mentioned, and we're really excited about it. Uh, the uh, affordable entry into our lineup and a really great extension of our Built for Tough truck lineup as well, um, really giving value to customers um, in terms of it's a crew cab, uh, five uh, up to seating for five people, four full-size doors, um, and really um, it gives you that functionality and flexibility um, that you would expect from a pickup truck, um, but really some, you know, in terms of the interior and the overall design of the vehicle, we think really will introduce our truck lineup to maybe some customers who didn't uh, think about a truck before, um, but given that flexibility um, and that urban environment, we're now more maneuverability, um, smaller size than a Ranger, uh, about a foot shorter um, from a length perspective, and about four and a half inches um, uh, lower from an overall vertical perspective. Um, we think will be a really good fit for uh, those entry-level customers who are looking for strong value, um, but also the built for tough durability and capability that you get from a truck. Well, and it's quite a journey you guys have had over the last uh, six years. I want to say the current generation F-150 was introduced, the aluminum body F-150 was introduced 2015, right? Correct. Yes, that's correct. Yep. So, so you start in 2015, huge investment mm -hmm. in the F-150 going all aluminum. Uh, did not choose to do a mid-sized truck at that time. Mm -hmm. The Ranger left the lineup uh, earlier in the decade. About 2011. Yeah. So uh, F-150 comes in all, all, all new 2015. You follow the Ranger lo lo later in the decade, and now here comes a segment that we didn't know existed. I don't think uh, you guys have ever been in a unibody truck segment. Correct me if I'm wrong, starting at $20,000. Yeah, I mean, this is really a breakthrough for us and really for the industry. And, and um, you're right, we introduced Ranger back into the midsize pickup market in 2018. Uh, and now we really feel like uh, further extending that built for tough truck lineup uh, in terms of that affordability. It is a unibody design. Um, and what that affords us is lower ingress, egress, easier for people to get in and out, um, lower lift over when you're thinking about the sides of a pickup box um, from that perspective, uh, and more interior room as well, and some unique underseat storage and some other things that we can do. But at the same time, we wouldn't bring a truck to market if it wasn't built for a tough. So over 19 million miles of real and simulated lab um, testing um, to make sure in all the things that uh, that we would put a truck through that uh, that our uh, our uh, Ford Maverick can, uh, can handle that. So we really think um, bringing that strong combination and a great extension to the lineup. As you mentioned, you know, as we've exited sedans um, you know this is an opportunity to bring uh, a new um, opportunity into the marketplace where it's that value that affordability starting below twenty thousand dollars at 19995 MSRP without D&D um, we think is a really powerful statement in the market yeah it really is uh, never seen a pick we haven't seen a pickup truck at this price point in, in a long time you're, you're talking with customers all the time as, yep. as a marketing guy that's right uh, the 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 legend used to be that Ford didn't need a mid-size pickup because when customers looked at Ranger, then they'd just look at F-150 and say, oh, I I'm just going to pay a couple grand more, go to F-150, it's got all this capability, it's big. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, and this has happened within a decade, mm -hmm. now you've got not only an F-150 Ranger, but you also have this small truck. What has changed in the market? What's changed in customers that you're talking to? Yeah, it's really just watching customers in terms of some of that separation of uh, you know affordability and what they're looking for, and also the maneuverability, which is, is certainly what Maverick delivers. And I think, Henry, one of the really exciting parts is at that 19995 price point, 
the first standard hybrid in a pickup uh, in America. And so um, with great fuel economy, um, 40 miles per gallon estimated EPA, um, roughly about 500 miles of range on a full tank of gas. Um, so really giving kind of that, that one-two punch truck capability um, and maneuverability, but at the same time that fuel efficiency with that standard hybrid. Are, are you seeing customers, are you seeing your customers becoming more urban where they need a smaller truck? What, what, are, you, what are you hearing from uh, folks? Well, certainly watching, you know, and, and we've watched customers, um, you know, with sedans and with some of the small SUVs struggle a little bit, needing a little bit more functionality and versatility. Mm -hmm. And that was really the genesis and, and the starting point from a Maverick perspective. So, yeah, we're looking at a customer who maybe spends a little bit more time in an urban environment, suburban city, but at the same time wants to get outside of the city. Um, and Maverick will be perfect for that. More maneuverability, a tight turning radius, 40 uh, feet curb to curb. Um, so in terms of maneuverability, spot on um, for those kinds of environments. But still, we've got things like FX4 packages and our all-wheel drive on our optional uh, 2.0 liter EcoBoost engine where you can get outside the city as well. And the hybrid, of course, very capable to, to, to uh, take people on their weekend adventures as well. Yeah, I was looking at 500 miles of range mm -hmm. in this thing, which is pretty extraordinary for any kind of pickup truck. The uh, customer walks into a showroom now, Ford showroom, uh, as you say, sedan, no, no more sedans, but what they get in this space is really fascinating. They get uh, a Ford Escape, a Ford Maverick, and a Ford Bronco Sport, all built on the same chassis. I know that makes uh, it's a great business decision for you yep. guys, makes, makes it easier to make sense of putting hybrids in a $20,000 car. But, uh, but talk about that Ford customer then who walks into a dealership now and looks at those three options. Mm -hmm. um, how, how are... How do they look differently at these three products? Well, I think really at that entry price point, giving customer choice. I think that's what Ford has always been about, and certainly what uh, Build for Tough Trucks has always been about, is giving that range of choice. So we've got options for somebody that comes in looking for more of that traditional small SUV with Escape. Now with Bronco Sport, a bit more of that rugged, um, off-road uh, environment. And now we think with the Ford Maverick, that opportunity to combine um, that versatility and flexibility and the pickup box um, you know, in a very affordable price point. Yeah, I'm a huge Bronco Sport fan, um, I, 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 and an incredibly versatile uh, 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 hatchback on that thing. I would probably go Bronco Sport, but this but this vehicle, for somebody who wants a bed, mm -hmm. feels very similar to the Bronco Sport. I mean, as you say, there's an FX4 package available. Yep. It can go uh, off off-roading uh, very very uh, easily. Uh, you expect those are probably the, the, the Escape. I presume is still going to be the volume. Uh, vehicle, but 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 uh, Bronco Sport and and uh, Maverick sort of competing for a whole new segment of customers. Well, really, and we really don't see kind of them as necessarily competing because I think it's different customer experience and needs that you have in terms of more of that traditional SUV with a little bit more off-road with Bronco Sport, but with Maverick, um, maybe for some folks that maybe didn't think a truck was for them, um, I think now they'll take a look at Maverick um, because of the environment it can now fit in both urban and outside the city as well. Um, and you know we've really designed it around that customer so things like our flex bed where there's DIY opportunities we'll sell accessories but at the same time we develop things understanding how our customer will use the truck how it'll fit into their lifestyle so we have 
slots in the bed for they can put two by fours for bed dividers or um, on the upper portion of the bed where they can put also two by fours or two by sixes where they can put in load floors and other types of things do-it-yourself bike racks so um, really thinking about how this customer their makers their doers um, they're a bit more of a diverse customer not only in who they are but also where they live um, and it was really important that we designed the Maverick around their lifestyle yeah I, and this is the first time you guys have done this uh, on a truck on any car as far as I know uh, and it seems to go to a new generation and not just young people it goes to my wife my mm -hmm. wife uh, mm -hmm. when she needs to do something she, she, she Googles it. She goes on YouTube right. and, and figures out how to fix something uh, in our house on our roof. Right. Uh, sounds like a similar uh, application here with this truck. That's absolutely right. I mean, we'll have the full array of Ford accessories. If people want cargo management systems and things of that nature, we'll certainly have those there. But at the same time, we want to cater to these makers and doers who are looking for their own solutions. They're creative folks, and you're right, it defies age. Although, you know, we think the target will bring in a little bit of a younger mindset. Um, the, it really, we think um, that maker mindset is really across. And so we've done that no, not only with our flex bed, but also in our, in our interior. Um, spent a lot of time making sure that that interior even though that's starting price point um, you know below 20,000 in our range lariat up into the you know you can get close to 30 with a, a, a more fully loaded um, type Maverick um, but really making sure that again that interior is designed around their lifestyle so um, for example you'll see the door handle it, the door armrest is split um, so that it could accommodate larger water bottles because we saw our customers bringing those in didn't have a place and they set them on the seat they're rattling around so looked at those types of things and our Ford integrated tether system as well where it gives opportunities for people to even 3d print at uh, some point but opportunities to bring in you know grocery hooks and cup holders and things uh, in the rear seating area um, to really make that vehicle their own but thinking about it from a place where even though we're under that twenty thousand dollar price point um, it's simple but not basic and yeah. so you'll see contours on both the IP and on the door uh, trim Another big one for us is the technology that they bring in. We have an eight inch screen that's standard in the center stack, and that's really important because we found that our customers are largely bringing in their own phones, their own devices. So we've made it that across the, the range with Ford Maverick, um, you've got the opportunity for um, uh, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay um, capability. Um, and uh, so we think that's a really strong statement about um, we have technology in the vehicle, but at the same time, we're allowing the customer to bring in their own technology. We saw that happening in our research and our uh, discussions with customers. Well, and I think that's re what's really changed, uh, too, with customers over the last decade. You see this uh, across the lineup in every vehicle. Uh, is, is now uh, people aren't just getting into a vehicle anymore. They're bringing another device into the vehicle and, and w with a phone. As you say, this has standard Apple CarPlay uh, and Android Auto, so, so you guys don't have to have a navigation system in this Correct. vehicle. It, this assumes that you're going to navigate with your phone. There are also QR codes. They're all over this vehicle. Mm -hmm. And those QR codes are really about that DIY, giving customers, um, you know, snackable videos and content so that kind of stimulating their own creativity around things that you can do um, with, you know, make-it-yourself bike racks or uh, in the bed. We have uh, pre-wiring on each side of the bed from XL all the way up to Lariat. Um, we have the opportunity where it's a pre-wire, um, just open up a cubby and uh, there's a wiring harness there instead of having to hack in to the electrical system if people want to hook up their own bed lights, um, air compressors, things of that nature. Um, we have that opportunity there so that they re really can uh, make the, the Maverick their own, um, which we felt was really important. 
the, uh, the, yeah, the, the, the cleverness in this vehicle is apparent. There's storage everywhere. You, you talk about the, uh, the door cubbies, which are, are really unique and cool looking. I mean, it's yep. interesting how you guys use color accents to, uh, to highlight them and really make them stand out. Ultimately, though, somebody gets a truck, they're looking at it for capability. That's right. Uh, this comes with a bed. Uh, comes with uh, with all the uh, the technology you're talking about. In terms of drivetrain, uh, when when folks are looking at a, uh, a pickup, they want to tow or they want to throw, uh, you know, bikes and and or or uh, ski doos out back. What do you guys have to do to make a unibody pickup a good towing vehicle? Yeah, I mean that's really important because at the heart of Built for Tough is that capability and that durability. That's what customers have come to expect, um, and, and obviously that's something we're going to continue to deliver. And Ford Maverick really does that as well. And so, um, you know, looking at both from a payload and a towing uh, capability perspective, we wanted to make sure that capability was there. So on the hybrid, for example, standard hybrid, um, fifteen hundred pounds of payload um, capability, um, which uh, that's the equivalent of thirty-seven bags of forty-pound mulch. Yeah, um, and then. Um, um, Which know, I think will be a typical use case for this truck. A lot, lot of mulching is going to be going on with this Correct. Thing. And, and certainly these customers may be a little less familiar with truck. Um, putting in an equivalent is really important in terms of how they'll use it. Similarly, um, you know, you have the opportunity um, uh, with uh, 2,000 pounds of max towing on the hybrid. Um, and that's the equivalent of roughly a 21-foot boat. Um, and then we also have opportunity um, uh, where you have... Um, uh, on the uh, the optional uh, engine, which is our 2.0 liter EcoBoost, um, that now you get, again, 1,500 pounds of payload, and with the max tow capability, 4K uh, tow package, you can get up to 4,000 pounds of towing. So now that you're into a, you know, a bit of a larger camper uh, and a larger boat as well. I think, I think people are surprised with that, that, uh, that a hybrid here is being used in a truck. Um, uh, I, I found it very good. It, it, we have 190 horsepower, um, uh, you know, very, very capable uh, on-road. Um, do, do you see that as, as something going forward? Hi hybrids uh, for my generation meant Priuses. Um, they, they meant uh, Ford Fusions. Now, now you got it in a truck. I mean, do you, are you guys confident with the with the ruggedness of this hybrid? Absolutely. I mean, uh, and you know, it's it's a hybrid system that is designed for uh, for truck for our Maverick, um, and you know that was very important. So, um, you know, making sure that it can do the things um, that a truck needs to do in terms of towing and hauling capability, um, that's something we've definitely seen. And I think it's really about, you know, electrification is the wave, um, you know, and it's it's upon us. And, um, you know, having that standard hybrid in the Maverick is, uh, we think, a strong statement. And uh, at that level of affordability, um, really strong value for our customer. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, you guys get a nice range, uh, as every Ford truck does. Yeah. You can sell this thing from twenty to about $38,000 with the... Uh, Two liter in the FX4 package in the Lariat, but the value of this hybrid is really something. I mean, like I say, you, you yep. get really good tow, but you also get 500 miles of range. I mean, I think that's the one to get. Yeah, and and I mean, you know, we we think that um, you know that that. Uh, standard it will be a very strong option but I think you know we'll also have some customers um, that will want that you know that EcoBoost engine that's where we get all-wheel drive so we have an all-wheel drive option as well in our FX4 package um, that comes with that uh, as an option on the two-liter EcoBoost so um, you know built for tough trucks has always been about choice for customers and so um, we think you're absolutely right the hybrid is going to be a very nice proposition uh, at that entry level but we also have other choices uh, in the lineup as well for those that might be looking for all-wheel drive for a little bit more towing uh, 
uh, capability as well. As I mentioned, that 2,000 pounds, very capable, you know, a pop-up trailer um, with that. But then as you're going into your larger boats and, and um, you know, 21, 23 foot, um, you know, uh, then, you know, you have that opportunity to get that 4K tow package as well. Yeah, it's good stuff. Todd Eckert, uh, Marketing Director for Ford Trucks, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on the Maverick. Henry, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to be on your show. It's time to make a change. Detroiters have lost $320 million in property under the current administration. These properties have been illegally foreclosed and profitably resold to others at the expense of native Detroiters. The Michigan Supreme Court has now held that those who lost their homes are eligible for compensation. It's time to get our equity back. It's time to make a change. Go to www.takebackthed.com. WADL gets a facelift and is now My 38 Detroit. Along with a facelift comes new programming on Mondays at 8 p.m. Catch a two-hour block of Law & Order SVU. Tuesday, Chicago Fire. Wednesday's Dateline. More Dateline and Chicago PD on Thursdays and on Fridays. You'll get more Chicago PD to start your weekend. We'll still have some of your favorite shows like Mom, Blackish, and Friends. Just adding more for you to enjoy on My 38. Attention, in July 2018, Bayer announced that it will be halting its sales of Assure. The Assure birth control may break or migrate after insertion, puncturing the fallopian tube, resulting in corrective surgery to remove the device. Thousands of women have reported debilitating health problems to the FDA. In April 2018, the FDA restricted sales of Assure to protect women and require that patients receive risk information. Please call 800-425-9539. The Word Network has been broadcasting inspirational messages around the world since the year 2000. And we keep getting bigger and better and more innovative. Seen all around the world, we bring you the best teaching, impartation, singing, and inspiration. If you want original programming, we have that too. The Word Network is your exclusive source for all things inspiration. And we can be found on every device imaginable. If you want to be uplifted and inspired, you need The Word Network. But 910 AM can give you this much excitement. I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News. You are on car radio. Full swing here on Saturday. Well, I just had a stream coming through here talking about cool cars, classic cars, hot rods, muscle cars. We've got a great lineup for you today. Best car radio show in all of Michigan. Catch it all right here on 910 AM Superstation. 910, the Superstation. The oldest radio station in town since 1922. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM, the Superstation, downtown in Detroit. And uh, our guest today is Pato Ward, one of the rising stars of IndyCar. Kind of rising. I mean, Pato, you've been in on IndyCar for about four years now. No, less. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, this is this is my second full year in IndyCar. I did a, a handful of races in 2019. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I still I still feel very fairly new to the IndyCar series. Um yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, a huge year already for you this year. Been a very busy year, uh, starting at uh, uh, Barber St. Pete, Texas, and you you got your first win at Texas. Uh, a huge moment for you, obviously, as a 22-year-old driver, but also for Mexico. I think one of the first Mexican drivers in a long time to win an IndyCar race. Yeah, it's been fantastic. It, it, it's been a it's been a long time coming. Uh, looking at the results that we had last year, we were so close to winning. 
three or four races. So um, it definitely led us to a position where we we really soaked it all in, and that was really really cool to do. And I feel like Texas was such a cool place to do it at. Very fast place too. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated uh, by the series IndyCar. In my opinion, is the, the most versatile series on the planet. You guys have to race street courses, road courses, uh, oval courses. You grow up as, as a road racer uh, on on in go karts and form, Formula 4000. How easy is it to adapt to a super speedway like Texas? Yeah, it's not easy, and it's so different to the to what we're used to in road courses. The approach that you take to super speedways is, is, is unlike any other type of circuit because there, there can be a time where if things go south, they go south real quick. So you need to stay on top of your game. The engineer needs to stay on top of his game and you guys, you guys can't get sucked into a black hole to where it's just unrecoverable. So. Um, it's it, it's important to be patient. It's important to have your list and just start checking things off slowly. And I think so far we've done a good job of that. Uh, the 500 is coming up, so that's going to be interesting. And you know, hopefully we'll be fighting up front. I, I just raced Mid Ohio uh, two weekends ago. Uh, if, if your if your car balance is bad in the carousel and keyhole, uh, your your car is bad for two corners. If your car is bad on on a oval, uh, on a super speedway, if you're pushing. It must be awful. I mean, how, how much can you change a car on the fly? You can't really change it much. We've got the weight jacker uh, that basically moves cross weight across to either the, the front uh, left or uh, front right of the, of the car, uh, which makes it either a little bit more stable or less stable if, if you want it to turn more. The problem is, is whenever you're not in the happy window and that doesn't get you into the happy window, you're most likely you'll end up in the fence, and you do not want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a good place to be. Um, so, so very exciting year this uh, in IndyCar this year. Uh, you're, you're one of a couple young guns. Uh, you and Colton heard a lot expected of you guys. You're racing against your idols, uh, uh, Dixon and Power, uh, that you looked up to coming up. And then you had this this rookie crop, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, 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 Grosjean uh, coming in. Uh, what's it like with this mix of drivers? I think it's been fantastic. We have a great mix of of young, old, uh, kind of like mid, <laughs> kind of uh, age-wise group of drivers. And I think it's as competitive as IndyCar has ever been. I, I don't think we've ever seen it this competitive. And I'm glad to be to be a part of it, um, and I'm really happy to, to be competing in it. Uh, having the right equipment obviously is huge uh, in this sport. Uh, you're, you're paired with Felix Rosenquist with the McLaren team. Uh, what is that team like, and do you feel like you're one of the one of the premier teams? A great group of guys, uh, people that know what they're doing, and but they also know how to have fun whenever, you know, whenever it's not all, uh, you know, business business. We, we know how to fun, have fun, and, and you, you need to know how to do that because it's such a long season. Uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of work that goes into it where you, you need to know how to have fun. Um, so it's, uh, it's a great group to be, you know, a great group to be uh, working with. And honestly, I'm, I'm really happy where I'm at. Uh, you have a third driver coming in here this month uh, to, to Indianapolis, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, uh, veteran driver, uh, probably some, another guy that you probably looked up to uh, when you were growing up. What's it like to get him in the mix? Yeah, it's 
it's it's great. Someone that has so much experience, someone that I that I idolize and and, and I look up to uh, a lot, a lot, have tons of respect for Juan Pablo. Uh, so I'm looking forward to just learning from him as much as I can. And uh, obviously, the goal is going to be be to beat him. Uh, he's still a competitor, <laughs> even though he's going to be a teammate. So um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be some good fun. Uh, the McLaren team, of course, is bigger than just IndyCar. Has huge ambitions in Formula One as well. Uh, how much uh, do those worlds overlap? Uh, they overlap uh, quite a bit, uh, but they are very different in their own way. Uh, Formula One is very focused on what a constructor can build. Uh, I feel like IndyCar is more focused on on kind of letting the driver do the last little bit of it to either get a win or uh, to really just compete at the front. Obviously, bigger teams have more resources and, and, and have better better all-around cars than, than the smaller teams. That's just how it goes. Um, but man, it's just so competitive. You see the, the qualifying sessions, 27 or 26 guys in less than one second. You don't see that anywhere in the world. Yeah. Is this where you wanted to be at 22 years old? You, you've driven a lot of stuff. I mean, you've, you've, you've been an Indy Lights champ. You, you've won the 12 Hours of Sebring in a sports car. Uh, do you feel like this is home? The Indy car feels like home to me. Uh, and it is definitely a dream that I had uh, growing up as a kid. Yeah, growing up in Texas, it must be pretty special to win uh, Texas Motor Speedway as your first win. Uh, now that you're at that pinnacle of sport, uh, you're going to be a role model yourself for uh, kids coming up, looking up to you. Are, are you aware of that? Um, I sure hope. I, I sure hope I can. I can. Uh, you know, pump some motivation into the into the younger generation coming up. And anyway, I'm I'm gonna try and help. Uh, you know, in any way I can. I know there's not there's not a lot that that you know that that I can do to to either you know make someone uh, make it or not. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I just I enjoy people succeed seeing people succeed um, because it's it's what I've been working for my whole life uh, so it, it, it makes me happy seeing other people do well it was, it was fascinating listening to you this morning you were on a, a zoom call with some high school kids here in the Detroit area and you talked about the importance of failing when you're 22 years old do you sound like a lot of 40 50 year old entrepreneurs I listen to that say uh, you don't really succeed in business until you fail uh, you've, you've had to fail a lot in order to succeed in this sport. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing there is you either keep going or you don't. Um, there's sometimes where you just can't keep going. Um, but in my situation, I've, I've had, uh, I've, I've been grateful to, to be able to continue. Um, but it, it, everything hasn't been smiles and unicorns. It's been, it's been tough. It's been really hard. It's been very stressful. Um, not just for me, but for my father, who has seen my whole career and who has been with me my whole career. Um, there's been some very stressful times of uh, people taking advantage of you. Uh, they, some people don't value you. Some people do. Um, that's just how life is going to be. But um, there's many times where my career was 
was done multiple times where I where where I sometimes you know I I could have been sidelined in, in the bench and I don't know how that didn't happen because it, things just materialized at the end of the day um, but if it wasn't for the the help of, of team owners um, someone that really comes to mind is Dale Pelfrey uh, who supported me in 20, 2015 2016 um, without those those little kind of you know, push helps, I would not be where I am right now. Uh, last question for you. How healthy is the sport in North America right now? Uh, you, you, you grew up in uh, Texas, did a lot of racing in the United States, but you also fly the Mexican flag. How, how healthy do you think uh, racing is in North America right now? Uh, it's not big enough. It's, it's too... It's got so much potential, especially IndyCar racing. But I just, I just don't think we've, 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 we've gone to the potential. We're just not near it. We're nowhere near it where it should be and where I think it can be. So I'm trying my best to try and speed that process up because it's, it's such a great category and it's, it's so awesome. And people just have to watch one race. And they're gonna get hooked because there is not a there's no other better racing product that exists in the world. So it's just it's tough to, to just you know tell people like, hey go watch it. They're not really gonna go watch it unless you really shove it in their faces. But once they get a taste of it, they're gonna be like, wow, this is cool. And I might sound biased, but man, I think race cars are so cool. But especially IndyCar racing, like when you go see them at street courses or the Indy 500, you see the speeds. And it's ridiculous. Like it is, it's not normal. It is not normal at all. And just the vibrations, the sounds, the smells. It, I don't think it gets cooler than that. I, I agree with you, uh, Pato. Uh, it's going to be cool to see you here in Detroit in a month. We look forward to seeing you then, and good luck in Indianapolis this month. Thanks, man. Looking forward to it. All right, this is Henry Payne with 9:10 a.m. The Superstation having a good day at the office at Road Atlanta Raceway. Uh, testing the all-new Porsche 911 GT3. In a lot of ways, the um, the, the top of the heap uh, driver's car for uh, Porsche uh, enthusiasts. Uh, 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 Non-turbo, normally aspirated, four-liter, 400 plus horsepower. We're joined by Patrick Long, who will be familiar to Porsche folks, one of the great drivers in recent Porsche history. Patrick, how are you? Good, good to be on, and uh, not a bad day at the office. <laughs> Yes, good, good place to be. We've been uh, chasing you around this track uh, this morning. Uh, you're driving a Turbo S. Uh, we're driving this all-new all uh, GT3. Uh, just take it from there. What's the difference between a GT3, about $160,000 car, and a Turbo S, which is about a $160,000 car? Yeah, I mean, to break it down, the Turbo S is my ideal daily driver. Um, it kind of gives you everything, comfort, uh, instant acceleration, big horsepower numbers, all-wheel drive. It's the sort of do-all um, top of the, the the chain for us at Porsche. And then the GT3 is our lighter, leaner, naturally aspirated, rear-wheel drive, track performance car. And it's stiffer. Um, it's a little less versatile in its usage. Um, for the people who really like an emotional, visceral drive, they daily drive these cars, but for an old soul like me who's been <laughs> on the racetrack for three decades, I would 
probably take it as my weekend car in the canyons. Or if your buddies are going to a track day and you want to lead the pack, then this is the chosen weapon for driving to the track as is putting your helmet on and really pounding the car all day long and achieving numbers that any street legal car will put up on a, on a racetrack. And, and a lot of guys like that down here at Road Atlanta. Road, Road Atlanta is a big metro area, growing metro area. Uh, and, and a lot of folks are coming out here to the driving club, which is a new uh, club for folks that can buy a GT3 and do exactly what you say, drive a half hour, an hour from wherever they live in the metropolitan area, go out on track uh, three times, as much as three times a month. I mean, is there, is there a better Porsche uh, in, in your mind to, to do that kind of activity? No, I, the GT3 is is bred for the racetrack. It's almost what we would consider a homologation car, where um, the car that I race uh, on the weekends in IMSA, racing here at the Petit Le Mans or the Sebring 12 Hours, that is our GT3R, our sort of flagship race car. And basically, the, the starting point of suspension, tub, powertrain is the same for our street car. So it is track bred that we, we pride ourselves at Porsche on the street to track transfer. So no, the GT3 would be your chosen weapon for uh, the club here. And you know, the part that I've been most passionate about uh, driving for a company like this and, and having the GT3 as a street car that's functional on the racetrack is there are a lot of high performing cars on the market and they put up great numbers in zero to 60 and slalom course numbers and even lap time. But the difference is some other cars might not be able to repeat that five, six, 10, 30 laps in a row, session after session, day after day. I mean, it limits the consumables of brake and tire wear. Um, it's, a, it's a more efficient ride because it's a lighter weight car. And those are the places that Porsche sort of bred themselves in the mountains of Austria um, with a, a 356, which was in its time in the 50s, a very lightweight car, low horsepower, but in the Titan twisties, it could run with anything out there that was sometimes twice as the horsepower. And I think that the heritage of Porsche and how the DNA has transferred over decades. That's essentially what we're still doing with the GT3. We're up against big bore, more cylinders, turbocharged, supercharged, etc. And we've stayed old school, 9,000 RPM, high revving, very emotional. And so you can hear it in my voice when we're out here on the track. It's an adrenaline fueled day. And the best part about a, a toy is the toy that can run all day long. That, that is remarkable. I mean, it, it, I, I do some racing out here, and uh, with a bespoke race car, you expect it to go hard for a half hour all day long. Uh, we go out here and just hammer this thing. We're going to be doing three sessions today, three half-hour sessions. Uh, I can think of very few uh, road-ready cars that, that, that can do that kind of performance and maintain the, the heat. Does that really come down to, to Porsche's racing history, that they're, 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 they're really specking these cars for the track from the get-go? I think so. I think the uh, mindset of motorsport development and cutting your teeth at the 24 hours of Le Mans, the 12 hours of Sebring, the 24 hours of Daytona, these are the pinnacles of sports car racing where the demands on the car, the demands on the team, those are what develop processes that create success and there's so much lineage, there's so much carryover from generation to generation of a 911. If you line up a, a 1964 debut 911 um, and, and you look at the next five body styles and line it up next to this, 
current 992, the car that we're launching today, uh, you see the evolution. You see that the actual greenhouse and the design of the body has, has remained intact. And I think that we started with a very good product and we've continued to build upon that. And I, I'm very proud of, of the work that the development teams do. And they're not just motorsport focused. You have a complete staff of test drivers who are testing in the Sahara Desert. They're testing in the North Pole and everything in between. And it's, it's great. I live in Los Angeles and I'll be out driving early in the morning, um, driving one of my air-cooled cars. And, and I'll see two Sport Turismo Tycons that have not really debuted on market, but they'll be in Los Angeles. I know who the test teams are. They're guys from Germany that are basing themselves in LA and putting massive amounts of miles and really testing every single scenario of these cars. And that's the perfection of why I think German cars are so great. They're so rock solid. Um, I, I'm one of these OCD types of people that any squeak, any creak, any vibration freaks me out and I get used to these cars. These cars spoil me because even after 200, 300,000 miles, they're still just rock solid tight. And, and that's talking about hardware. In a day and age where software development and fuel economy numbers and everything really sucks up a lot of the journalism, I wish we talked more about fit and finish, about touch points, about the emotional, the leather that you touch, um, the seats that you sit in, the driving position. Um, those are the types of things that I think a motorsport focused company brings to their product they put out on the road. Yeah, and, and, and you really feel it when you're at uh, uh, pushing the envelope on the track. I mean, the, the, the car is so solid, so stable. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly easy to drive. I mean, I, you know, you and I came off there in a half, in a, after a half hour. We're not sweating, you know, the upper arms aren't hurting. I mean, it's a, it's a very easy car to drive on track. Um, a long time ago, 911s were very tail happy. You got the engine out the back. These days, uh, Porsche also makes a mid-engine car, the Cayman, also a, a very track-ready variant, the GT4. Uh, uh, talk to folks a little bit uh, what the difference is between those two cars, a Cayman and a Porsche, in terms of uh, driving it uh, nine-tenths. Yeah, I think the mid-engine platform that, that started in the late 90s with uh, the development of the Boxster, our, our open-top Spider. Uh, a lot of heritage in mid-engine open-top cars, all the way dating back to the 550s and the namesake 718, which we were running in the 60s. Um, there's a whole different science to mid-engine cars. Um, personally driving them, there's a lot of pluses and minuses. They're just different. I am such an old-school fan of the 911 and, and how the, the mass on the rear of the car allows for great traction. It also allows for you as a driver to trail the brake into the corner a lot more intensely than a front engine car because now when you put all of that weight on the front two tires from really hard late braking and turning into the corner with brake pressure, that can sometimes overload the front tires. But with the engine in the rear, that, that of course counterbalances that extreme track entry. And so I'm a, I'm a late breaker, I'm an aggressive turning guy, and so I've developed my craft with 911s. And when I get into a mid-engine car, uh, the balance is very stable, it's very neutral, um, the direction change is very crisp, so it's a, a different driving style. You can roll more speed in and not have to keep that weight over the front, 
But again, the the con might be that with mid-engine cars, I'm sometimes a little critical of if they do step out or they get a little bit nervous on the racetrack, it, it happens more intensely. And, and that, that polar moment comes in a, in a quicker, it, it probably takes more to step over that threshold, but once you do, it's a bigger moment. But, you know, mid-engine brings a lot of convenience as well. Um, you know, the, the great thing is you have a, a front and a rear um, trunk, so you get more space. The Cayman being sort of the hardtop version of the Boxster and the Evolution, I love the look of it. Um, I think it's one of the best looking cars out there and definitely a little sleeker, a little bit more balanced in sort of the roof lines. But it's hard to it's hard to pick one. Uh, I'm fortunate that I get to sample a few of these cars when they come out and, and give my feedback. For But for the most part, uh, racing is my main focus. And days like this are a treat for me when I get to work with guys like you and um, talk about these cars and also hear your guys' experiences with other manufacturers. I'm a, I'm a complete study and, and student of, of all cars and you know I'm not I'm not only thinking that Porsche is, is the the choice there's there's other stuff out there that is, is great to learn about from from you guys being here in town um, one one other quick story about motorsport and and racing um, and and that compared to street development Wolfgang Ulrich who was the sort of motorsport chief in command uh, when Audi had its domination at Le Mans and sort of the early 2000s through um, you know I guess over a decade mm -hmm. if my memory serves me correct but one time he went on record and said yes motorsport is great for a, a company like Audi um, it's great for marketing it's great for client entertainment it's great for communication strategy but he said actually what motorsport uh, you know, I can't think of, of a company like Audi or Porsche without motorsport is the development of competition. So the, the team, the engineers, um, the scientists, the, the masterminds behind the race cars, they are so passionate about beating um, the, the competition on the weekend that they put in the hours and the time and the acute focus that they could never really request or ask a, a normal car engineer to do and that's purely out of that intent to win and so he says it's it's such value for for a company on the on the development side and so that's why i think that companies like porsche who race also can evolve their at least their sports cars um that much quicker yeah and they've and they're really it's, it's amazing how their standard is still set by porsche um i mean you see major changes that other manufacturers like corvette who uh, were really struggling to uh, keep up with the grip of the 911 you talk about, had to go mid-engine, I think, to really evolve uh, with the species. Um, there, there are some things on this car that are exclusive to a production car. Your race car does not have uh, rear-wheel steering, for example. Uh, talk about, uh, for, for an enthusiast going out on the track, what rear-wheel rear steering does for them. Yeah, I wish my race car had rear wheel steer. It's not, um, it's not allowed by the rules, and because it's a dynamic, sort of semi-active um, change, those those bring costs, those bring questions that maybe the racing world isn't uh, just there yet. But Porsche has definitely taken it and run with it, and and it, it started with our our predecessor, um, the last GT3. And um, the way I can describe it to you is it's it's variable tow in the rear of the car and 
ironically, it's different depending on the speed and the nature of the driving. So if you're doing a U-turn, then the rear wheels are pointing outward on each direction to help you have a better turning radius and to make things more easy to navigate in daily life. If you're up above a certain threshold of speed and, and the computer recognizes that this is a performance driving condition, then both rear wheels will turn in the same direction as the front wheels to increase that direction change and, and quicker, um, more functional um, handling. And the best way I, I could describe it is the first time I drove the car, I was up uh, on Mulholland in a, in a stretch of road that Southern California drivers would know about called the Snake. And it was the first time where uh, any streetcar I'd ever driven of any era uh, where I had zero understeer. <laughs> and when I went back to the development team with my feedback and I, had, I said, I have to ask, how is it that there is no understeer and that I was the one that was going to back off before the tire was going to give way? I've never ever reached the point of not wanting to go quicker through a corner. And they described that that, that was the biggest change with the rear wheel steer. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, because uh, yeah, again, you, you feel on this car, it's a heavy car. I mean, this is a 3,100 pound car, but uh, the rotation is just fabulous. Uh, last question for you. You got a lot of fans out there, uh, followed you for years. Uh, we, we love uh, watching Patrick Long uh, race. You're always intensely competitive, aggressive driver. Uh, where can people uh, see you here over the next year and maybe looking out a little bit? Well, I spend most of my time uh, social media-wise on Instagram at PL Motorsport. Um, it's been a great journey um, coming up on two decades as a factory driver and the only North American representative for Porsche. Right now I'm focused racing for uh, a team, Wright Motorsports, which is out of Batavia, Ohio, um, just outside of Cincinnati. And uh, yeah, we've gone through three races so far. We're about a third of the way through this season um, in IMSA in the WeatherTech Championship. And our next race will be the end of June here. What what month is it? COVID head um, coming out of um, yeah. No no uh, no Detroit Grand Prix weekend for you. So uh, not not June in Detroit. No 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 Detroit this year. The um, the full time championship doesn't stop there because normally the proximity to Le Mans makes it difficult to make it a points running uh, race. But we'll be at uh, Watkins Glen in upstate New York at the end of June. Uh, looking forward to the six hour, which is kind of an iconic and classic race at a a track that's so storied all the way back from the day of, of Formula One and the USGP. Um, so looking forward to that and then the stretch really picks up into the summer as we sort of move through up into Road America, Wisconsin and then um, drifting back towards, towards the, the West Coast and um, you know finishing up here in November at Road Atlanta Petit Le Mans. So um, having a lot of fun in my driving, also uh, having a lot of fun with Lufka Colt, which is a show that I produce uh, an air-cooled event that's more of a happening, um, an outdoor uh, afternoon for families and Porsche and non-Porsche people to come and, and enjoy the enthusiasm and learn about the heritage of these cars, both race and street. And so we'll be in Indianapolis on September 10th, uh, a Friday afternoon in a great venue in town celebrating all things Porsche um, and looking forward to that. Sounds awesome. Patrick, thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to more track time this afternoon. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's hot and slippery, but um, these tires are up for it, so uh, we'll be pushing the mark a little harder.
who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. 
For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What? What? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. 910 AM Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. 200 spots for $500 with a must-air within 30-day policy. That is only $2.50 per spot, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Ronisha Williams now at 313-434-8291. Detroiters have a right to a city government that puts the needs and priorities of its residents first. Join us as we continue to organize and fight for truly affordable housing, water affordability, transit justice, a stronger community benefits ordinance, and other revisions from Proposal P. We fight because in 2021, majority black Detroit deserves better. Visit DetroitPeople'sPlatform.org or at Detroit Peoples on social media in support of people, power, and progress. It's time to make a change. Detroit and Wayne County owe Detroiters $320 million for illegally foreclosing on over 16,000 homes for past due property taxes. When actually, people earning under the federal poverty level are not required to pay property taxes. Go to www.takebacktheD.com. We want our equity back. It's time to make a change.